Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled A Pandemic in Bible Prophecy, Part 9. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church to find greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please check our show notes for links to our home website and other information you may want to know. Our show notes are found with every episode. We are located on 22 platforms. Check out the list under the podcast menu item on our homepage found at unchurched.site123.me. Last week, May 30th, we studied Part 8 of our look into a pandemic in Bible prophecy in Chapter 9 of Exodus. In that episode, we found another destructive element, hail. The hail came with a promise and a warning. The promise of protection from the hail and the warning of death if you did not heed the word spoken. It was said, the hail would kill all living beings and animals not sheltered from the storm. Does being sheltered from the storm cause memories of Scripture to come to your mind? This week, we look at the eighth plague, locusts. This eighth plague is the second one that we can see in Scripture that could result in the death of both man and beast. Can you see the pattern of how each plague is worse than the previous one? The following Bible passage is somewhat long, so please, hold fast as these plagues get more involved. Scripture reads, the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, in order to display these signs of mine before him, and in order that in the hearing of your son and your grandson you may tell how I made fools of the Egyptians and about my signs that I displayed among them, so that you may know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh and told him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, How long do you refuse to humble yourself before me? Release my people so that they may serve me. But if you refuse to release my people, I am going to bring locusts into your territory tomorrow. They will cover the surface of the earth so that you will be unable to see the ground. They will eat the remainder of what escape, what is left over for you, from the hail, and they will eat every tree that grows for you from the field. They will fill your houses, the houses of your servants, 
in all the houses of Egypt, such as neither your fathers nor your grandfathers have seen since they have been in the land until this day. Then Moses turned and went out from Pharaoh. Pharaoh's servants said to him, How long will this man be a menace to us? Release the people so that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not know that Egypt is destroyed? So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go, serve the Lord your God, exactly who is going with you. Moses said, We will go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, and with our sheep and our cattle. We will go, because we are to hold a pilgrim feast for the Lord. He said to them, The Lord will need to be with you if I release you and your dependents. Watch out. Trouble is right in front of you. No. Go, you men only, and serve the Lord, for that is what you want. Then Moses and Aaron were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. The Lord said to Moses, Extend your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, that they may come up over the land of Egypt and eat everything that grows in the ground, everything that the hail has left. So Moses extended his staff over the land of Egypt, and then the Lord brought an east wind on the land all that day and all night. The morning came, and the east wind had brought up the locusts. The locusts went up over all the land of Egypt and settled down in all the territory of Egypt. It was very severe. There had been no locusts like them before, nor will there be such ever again. They covered the surface of all the ground so that the ground became dark with them, and they ate all the vegetation of the ground and all the fruit of the trees that the hail had left. Nothing green remained on the trees or on anything that grew in the fields throughout the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh quickly summoned Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. So now forgive my sin this time only and pray to the Lord your God that he would only take this death away from me. Moses went out from Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord, and the Lord turned a very strong west wind, and it picked up the locusts and blew them into the Red Sea. Not one locust remained in all the territory of Egypt, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not release the Israelites. From Exodus chapter 10, verses 1 through 20. The first thing that should stand out is how Pharaoh is no longer hardening his own heart. God is doing the hardening as we learned he will last week. Again, Pharaoh is only seeking relief in the moment instead of full relief. For some understanding here, commentary tells us, the announcement of such a plague of locusts as their forefathers had never seen before since their existence upon earth, i.e., since the creation of man, 
put the servants of Pharaoh in such fear that they tried to persuade the king to let the Israelites go. How long shall this, Moses, be a snare to us? Seest thou not yet that Egypt is destroyed? A snare or trap for catching animals is a figurative expression for destruction. Reference Exodus chapter 10 verse 7. Does not mean the men, but the people. The servants wished all the people to be allowed to go as Moses had desired, but Pharaoh would only consent to the departure of the men. From Kyle and Delich Bible Commentary on the Old Testament. This is getting interesting. I dare say, Pharaoh should be getting it at this point, yet he is not. I also think that many of us today can learn something about ourselves by examining Pharaoh. He is much like many of the people I meet in the world today, such as in the workplace, as well as out and around. I can tell you, in America, I meet many people with some form of Pharaoh's attitude, heart, and thinking. That is just how it is in this part of America I live in. There is more than enough money in people's pockets and bank accounts that they can afford to be resistive to God. They do not see God's blessing on their lives even though it is there. They attribute their affluence to their own hard work alone. Yes, without any doubt, many of these people have worked hard to achieve something, but God gets none of the credit for this happening that is due him. If he did not allow it, it never would have happened. This is where we lose sight of how we work together with God to achieve something powerful and meaningful so we profoundly affect someone's life. This is another place where we should remember this New Testament verse. No trial has overtaken you that is not faced by others, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tried beyond what you are able to bear, but with the trial will also provide a way out so that you may be able to endure it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 This Bible version may make this more clear. No testing has come to you that other people do not have, but God will not fail you. He will not allow the testing to be hard for you. No, when the testing comes, God will make a way out for you so that you can go through the testing. From the Bible in Worldwide English, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Now, I'm going to make a bit of a side trip here, and I will pull it all together in a moment or so. We should note the presumed contradiction where this verse ends, as it said, God will make a way out for you, comma, so that you can go through the testing. How do I escape with a way out if I am going to, quote, go through the testing? 
This makes the associated commentary passage worth our side trip with some investigation here. It reads, There hath no temptation taken you. What temptation the apostle refers to here is not quite certain. It is possible, however, that he refers to such as would, in their circumstances, have a tendency to induce them to forsake their allegiance to their Lord and to lead them into idolatry and sin. These might be either open persecutions or afflictions on account of their religion, or they might be the various allurements which were spread around them from the prevalence of idolatry. They might be the open attacks of their enemies, or the sneers and the derision of the cheerfulness and light-hearted excitement, and the great. The design of the apostle evidently is to show them that, if they were faithful, they had nothing to fear from any such forms of temptation, but that God was able to bring them through them all. The sentiment in the verse is a very important one, since the general principle here stated is applicable to Christians now as it was to the Corinthians. Taken you, seized upon you, or assailed you, as when an enemy grasps us and attempts to hold us fast. But such as is common to man, such as is human, from the margin, moderate. The sense is evident. It means such as human nature is liable to and has been often subjected to, such as the human powers under the divine aid may be able to resist and repel. The temptations which they had been subject to were not such as would be fitted to angelic powers and such as would require angelic strength to resist, but they were such as human nature had been often subjected to and such as man had often contended with successfully. There is, therefore, here, a recognition of the doctrine that man has natural ability to resist all the temptations to which he is subject, and that consequently, if he yields, he is answerable for it. From Barnes' New Testament Notes Notice that last part here in Barnes' New Testament Notes. First, With regard to the temptations, it says, They were such as human nature had often subjected to, and such as man had often contended with. How? Successfully. Such as man had often contended with. Successfully. We need to also notice this commentary statement. There is therefore, here, a recognition of the doctrine that man has, what? Natural ability 
to resist what? All the temptations to which he is subject, and that consequently, if he yields, he is answerable for it. Did you notice what commentary said? Not a few temptations, not some temptations, but all temptations to which he, you, male or female, are subject to. This is the human and spiritual trap that Pharaoh has allowed himself to be ensnared in. We too, saved or not, are very proficient in falling into this trap as well. Today, we fall into it without ever seeing it until it is too late. We now feel condemnation for it. We can then believe we are forsaken by God. As well, in some people, they believe one can never return to that blissful state in Christ that was once enjoyed. This ties us in with Pharaoh because we, like him, simply go deeper and deeper into the wrong place away from God. God's judgment becomes greater and greater upon us and in our lives. Only we today simply brush this off as mere bad luck or something similar. We say, it will work out better next time, or it will work someplace else. And so we move away from the place we presently live. In that new place, things are different and seemingly better until things start going bad again. That is because we, like Pharaoh, are unrepentant and simply do the same thing or things over again in a new place we move to. This gives us the same result even if born of different circumstances found in a different place we may have moved to for the express purpose of getting rid of them. Only, not so much. We find we are victims of the same things, yet in a different place and possibly with different circumstances leading us right into the same trap. That is like having a carrot one time to trap a rabbit and then having lettuce the next time to trap the rabbit. The two foods are different, but the end result is the same. Notice this last comment we found in commentary. It read, The design of the apostle evidently is to show them that if they were faithful, they had nothing to fear from any such forms of temptation, but that God was able to bring them through them all. There it is, both then and now. Our way of escape is not being removed from the storm or God's wrath, but being protected by Him when it comes. We also can stand in any temptation that befalls us. We have the ability to make the correct choice, to not be tempted into sinful behavior of which we will need forgiveness. Remember, 
Temptation is not sin despite how close to it you are at that point. Sinful behavior is the fulfillment of the temptation, thus making us now sinful. This is something we may well regret. That regret only makes it harder for us to repent. This is why not going there in the first place is the better choice. Next week, we will be one plague from the end of this study. We will look at the ninth plague, darkness, then the last plague to end this series. However, next week, we will see Pharaoh's defiant spirit was not broken yet. For this reason, a continuous darkness came over all the land of Egypt. This should remind you of the latter days of the tribulation when darkness overcomes the entire earth also. While both differ in how they work, there still is a commonality. Play or download next week's episode, A Pandemic and Bible Prophecy, Part 10, from one of our podcast hosts. Or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. Also, please check out our show notes for links to our website and other information you may want to know. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you will find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled How to Be Saved at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode title Introduction About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. We are located at this internet address unchurched.site123.me. At present, we are located on 22 podcast sites, so you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Now, 
May our Lord Jesus Christ himself, and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.